Hello, and welcome back to the Third Space Podcast. This is Bennett introducing the 31st episode of the podcast, in which Daniel and I tackle a wide range of topics. To start off, we discuss Daniel's recent experimentation with a three-day juice cleanse, a 72-hour period of hunger and discomfort. He walks us through what it was and why he did it, and from there we talk a little bit about nutrition and diet. And then we change topics totally and we launch into a segment that we've done a couple times previously called Bennett Fixes Sports, where I take a modern sport and I make it better and actually entertaining. For this one, we tackle the Olympics, which certainly needs some improvements, and I think I did a good job improving it. And after that, Daniel asks an interesting question about whether one can be nostalgic for something that they never actually experienced in the first place. So we discussed that for a little bit, particularly in the area of video games and childhood and TV and movies and stuff. So those are the main topics we cover, and there's a bunch of other ones sprinkled in, but I hope you enjoy the episode. Here we go. Bennett. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. This is uh, the Third Space Podcast again. Yes. Episode 31. Yeah, 30, third spacey one. Hmm. Ask me how I've been again. Uh, uh, how, how have you been? Well, I did a three-day juice cleanse where what I fasted the... for three days. What is a three-day juice cleanse? It's where you pay $70 for an Amazon product that sends you 21, count them, 21 uh, various powders that you mix as a juice, and you have them... On the every two hours, so like seven o'clock a.m. for my for my schedule, it was seven, nine, eleven, one, three, five, and seven, and um, they were color coded. So there were only four different types of shakes, but one they'd be named things like revitalize and uh, detox and uh, sure, P90X. you know whatever, <laughs> just these buzz terms about health and whatnot. And they did taste a little different each one. And mm-hmm. you're welcome to do this cleanse. No, uh, no, <laughs> not you. I just meant oh, okay. like <laughs> in, in general, you're in, you. Most, I guess, the encouragement is to fast while you do it, uh, or eat minimally, uh, or eat, you know, like just lay off the caffeine and uh, just reset your body, kind of thing. Mm. Um, and so, I had never gone 24 hours without eating, so to go 72 without eating was really something. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, so. Can you really call it a fast if you're drinking juices? I mean, the juices have stuff in them, presumably. Right. right? I, they do have some forms of nutrients. And so, no, I guess it's not. Well, I can assure you that I was very hungry um, and that one thing I learned about myself, perhaps it wasn't wise, but I was working last week. And so I, I did this on days I needed to be focused and we had meetings. So in some ways, that was a benefit. Uh, Danielle did it. My girlfriend did it as well. Uh, but she was at home. Uh, with, you know, she had some time off. So yeah. so I don't know which was actually smarter because she could just lay around, take it easy, nap when she wanted. Yeah, I she had was, to be focused. She was eating, so. she was eating stuff. 
while you were <laughs> she was work, eating stuff and <laughs> she was like ah oh, sucker <laughs> and so i had the distraction factor to my benefit That's she true. had the um she had to focus on her hunger pains right or they're you know or just sitting so so I, I, the temptation moments were when i would get home and i realized how habitual eating is at one time <laughs> at one point at work i uh they had given us a bag of goodies kind of a welcome back um and included in that was a bag of or uh, some candy, Swedish fish, and and your favorite. And yes, actually, I'd filled out some form a long time ago. Uh, what are your favorite candies? And they were smart. They were kind That's enough nice. to go get that. Yeah. And so, I just I was sitting at my computer and I noticed I had opened the bag and was reaching toward them. And I I mean I was hell bent on and I did by the way not uh, consume any food. I did have a protein shake at one point when my headache got so severe. Uh, but I'll tell you about that later. Um, mm-hmm. But I was about to eat Swedish fish, almost like basically unconsciously. Yeah, just um, a habit. Yeah. Yeah, or like it's habit's hard to call because it it's not a habit to eat Swedish fish. So what was I doing? It was automaticity though. Grabbing the, like it was on my desk. I was very hungry, so my hand just sort of reached out, opened it, and I thought, "What am I doing?" Like I'm really glad I didn't. I would have been disappointed to have failed, not because, or I guess it would be a lack of willpower, but. But you know, it would almost I would just say seem like I f- it would be more a lack of attention. Yeah, willpower, yeah. Really, uh-huh. I agree because it wouldn't be a I'm giving in, dang it, I can't do this. It's more of a I just was well, eating. <laughs> it's just a. It, it's funny because it kind of makes you think. You know, people say that things. Uh, let's see how how should I phrase it? Our our like we don't classify things uh, in our perception as what they are. We classify them as how we use them, right? So, like, a cup is is a thing we drink from, and our body interacts with that cup with that purpose in mind. And so the Swedish fish are <laughs> sitting on your desk, and they're not Swedish fish. They're things to be grabbed with your Consumed fingers and put and, yeah. in your mouth and eaten. And so, you know, if, if you're not focused and you let your attention waver, your body just interacts with the things in you know in the way that suits their purpose and swedish fish are meant to be eaten for you i don't like them but for you it's a peculiar way you i mean you're so right though because or else we every object we would have to scrutinize analyze and it would be maddening i mean we can't function in a world with so many objects that's why i have to look over on my desk and or if someone were to see my desk and see a uh, a container of pens and writing utensils and highlighter like they wouldn't need to look at each one and you know hold it see if it writes and go yep that's a writing device like they just mm-hmm. see it label that entire area like if i need to write with something i'll make note that there's an area with a bunch of them um and or else, i mean you just can't have that level of with, with so much detail in the world we can't focus on all of it so we simplify 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 i don't go i don't yep. look at every chair and wonder if that what the heck is this object that's peculiar yeah. i mean think about the shape of a chair it's a little odd it's like yeah it's just an i mean it's not odd to us because we're so familiar with it but it's an unusual you don't find this in nature you don't see something with four legs and you know a 90 or often a 90 degree angle with a back and i mean even calling it legs and a back that's just my projection of you know that is what a chair is to me it has legs and a back yeah well um, i mean imagine how strange if we didn't do this imagine how strange it would be to be you know walking down a path through the woods and there's a fallen tree and you sit on it what that's a tree not a chair so why would you ever sit on it but of course we do immediately sit on it because we don't think about 
We think about how we're using the things around us, not necessarily about what they are. Uh, yeah, so it's our or it's yeah. In that way, we the way we look at the world is how useful is this to to me? How can I utilize this? How does this function in my life? Is it dangerous? Like our first question is: Is this dangerous? Including the people around us. Is this dangerous or is it safe? Okay, now that I know, let's say it's not dangerous, it's safe. Is it, does this serve me? Is this do I have, does it have any utility in my life? Seems to be the sort of and yeah. and then you know it just falls into patterns quickly and uh, it makes you wonder how often we make mistakes or overlook cool things or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, have the wrong put something in the wrong category. Yeah, I mean all the time I would imagine so. Right. But but back to the fasting thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, you know, three days, seventy two hours. I made. So it. did you? Uh, did you poop? Did you poop uh, in seventy two hours? I did. I, pro- I guess I emptied myself out. Is was probably. I was. It was funny because I wasn't thinking um, about like your your bowel movements and cleansing and all that. But that's really like a huge part of it, I suppose. Um, uh-huh. So I, I was pre- like by day three, it was like uh, I might just not, I might just be, <laughs> I, I might not poop. Like like I yeah. might, if it's if I were to there. continue this, I would never poop. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. And I felt this. People asked how I was feeling, right? And and I felt uh, on edge, so moody. Like like at any given moment, I could like one small annoyance would feel more catastrophic than it was in actuality. It would just be like just tiny annoyances would set me off. Um, so I, was, I guess I was aware of that uh, fragile state of my mood. But, and I would feel weak, you know, this isn't surprising, right? Like not not the most energetic in the world and not the most focused either. It was difficult to uh, engage in more, like even philosophical thought. I didn't have the energy to, uh, for instance, Typically, we watch American Horror Story. We're binge watching it and talk about the episodes. And I like to offer my two cents on them, and you know, how really try to. You were, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. How precisely how scary? And instead, both of us would be like, "That was a good episode. Want to watch the next <laughs> one?" You know, it was just was more like, yeah, being subdued. Yeah. Subdued. Subdued is a good word. Um, but at the same time, and this is what's difficult to pinpoint. Like, I felt lighter, uh, and in some ways. I don't know if it's placebo effect, right? Because I want to feel good. And the whole point of a cleanse is to, uh, in some ways, earn, uh, like detox your body. Uh, and you earn it, though. You earn feeling good because it's a kind of not a pleasurable process. And then and then you feel better. And so I don't know if I was convincing myself of this. But I think it's actually true. Even today, because uh, Saturday was my day to eat. But, but waking up Saturday... Um, and today I feel lighter. I felt lighter then. I felt I feel fresh. I feel good. I really do feel good. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think it was worth it. Um, um, so it's interesting. Uh, was, do you do you know offhand how how sugary the uh, juices were? I don't. Uh, I mean, I did don't. they taste sweet? They tasted a little bit sweet. Some of them did. One or two of them did. Yeah, and the other two did not. Um, I'm just curious. I'm just wondering, like, where. I mean, you drink them every two hours, essentially. That's what you said, right? Yep, yep. Like, I'm wondering... Seven a day, yeah. I'm wondering if if your body got into a state of ketogenesis or not. Like, if, were you eating enough sugar for, um, you know, for that to be your fuel 
or was there you know few enough carbs that your body's dropped into ketogenesis the reason i um the reason i bring that up is because you know i've done a ketogenic uh diet before just yeah. to just to experiment i'm actually doing it now i started a little over a month ago um and i just it's always interested me because it's like this strange built-in alternate path that your brain can use to survive to to consume energy normally your brain only consumes glucose uh, and then well when you don't eat any glucose you don't eat any carbs then your brain can switch over and consume uh, ketones as well and your body can uh, can generate those from fat and protein but uh, it's what I noticed doing keto is that like I don't after the initial two or three days when you're adjusting um, and when your liver is depleted of all of its uh, stored up glycogen, mm-hmm. um, after that period, I feel pretty normal. And actually the most notable thing and why I think a lot of people do it to lose weight is because you don't really get hungry anymore. Uh, you just don't get hungry. It's very easy to go for you know a long time without eating. You can eat small meals. You know, you know, normally when you're eating um, normal, you know, carb rich meals and stuff, then like, you know, you probably notice right before lunch when like 1130 or 12 o'clock approaches, your stomach rumbles and you're really hungry and you want food. But on keto, that doesn't really happen. Like your stomach doesn't rumble and you're not really hungry. You just go, oh, it's time to eat. I'll eat some bacon or, you know, whatever. Uh, It's just more like you were consuming sustenance. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you can still get the joy of the foods, um, you know, if you want. Like, I ate a big steak for lunch today, and I eat bacon um, in the mornings, sometimes for breakfast, and that's pleasant. Uh, but Well, that's what I was going to ask. So, you like, when you say not hungry, like, that hunger and desire are sort of intertwined, right? Or, like, cravings, or perhaps, you know, what do they call it, food porn, like these sort of Instagram Lots of things where you just see delicious and sloppy burgers and and chicken sandwiches and all this that I like and cheesy stuff. Um, Like, I just part of my like, I desire food and I think about my meal on the weekend and stuff like that. So, like, do you find when you're on the keto diet that you're not um, like food just doesn't really consume your thoughts? Or I mean, I guess you'd have to speak to it. Never really does it consume your thoughts anyway? And to what extent is it different on the keto diet? Um, yeah, normally food doesn't consume my thoughts that much. Uh, I mean, I like sweets, so you know I'll get a craving for ice cream or something um, every few weeks uh, and find it hard to resist. But like, also there's something about the uh, the inertia of you know a, a particular diet or whatever. At least for me, like once I begin, then it's really easy for me to just maintain course. Uh, and since I'm not hungry then all I have to really do is keep my mind off of sweets and ice cream and stuff. And, you know, it just never, if it doesn't come to mind, then I don't crave it and I'm fine. And there are things you can eat, like, you know, to kind of fill that niche, I just eat a spoonful of peanut butter or something, which, you know, has some sugar, has some carbs, but it's not a lot. Uh, it's not enough to ruin anything. And it's sufficiently sweet and satisfying that it's a decent enough snack. Uh, but for the most part, you can just have small meals of meat and cheese which are things that i two things that i love dearly uh avocado is another one so like that's like what i eat for a while and you know it's fine and you don't actually feel 
like you know when you're in the the midst of a normal diet with carbs and everything, then you can have that you know 3 p.m. slump you know where your blood sugar is low and you just feel kind of drowsy and yeah. tired you know. But at least for me on keto, it's very consistent. It's very even keel. Like my energy levels and my ability to focus and all of that is just very even keel. And I, and I wouldn't even say that it's decreased from, you know, from from normal. Uh, so it's a very interesting sort of sort of thing. Do you? I just realized I was just thinking, imagining myself trying to do this, and. Uh... I dip some all my meats in, in sauces. I love sauces. Is that something I'd have to give up? Because they're very sugary and, and things, right? You like, just have to uh, you'd have to look um, at the specific sauces. Like I, I I dip in ketchup a lot. They they that's super sell, sugary, right? Or do they have a sugar free version? They have a um a no added sugar version uh, that doesn't taste significantly worse. But okay. even so, you have to eat a lot of ketchup to ruin your keto. Um, and if you exercise a little bit, then you know you burn off that that sugar pretty quick too. So when I think of people doing keto, why do I think of like like men like, that work out? Is this a right? Is there a stereotype? But you know, diets seem to have stereotypes. This type of person tends to gravitate toward this diet. And when I think of keto, I think of I don't know, like I don't what's know. that workout program people love so much? P ninety X. Yeah, that actually is the workout program. But ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Got it. Uh, no, but the workout That's... one where the one where they're um, like lifting tires and doing. Uh, I'm just blanking on the name. Like it's almost got a cult following. The it's almost like a religion. Tire no, they they they. they ah. I'm annoyed. The, the muscle man. You're just not helping me, and you know it. Uh, the what? muscle gentleman competition. It's 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 t- that's a bad example of uh of me describing this this workout program. It's not about lifting tires. Lift it's boys. Just... <laughs> oh screw it! I'm not gonna find. It's not like on the tip of my tongue. I, is it I just... strong man? No, no. This is a. I feel silly for not. Uh, if I just Google, I'm doing this popular workout. Pr- programs crossfit that's it it's crossfit crossfit oh, yeah it really yeah. is that's what i was looking for like yeah. they and and yeah they that get, one that does see, i don't I feel like keto it. and crossfit would go together right. i don't know <laughs> yeah i i could see that i don't understand it because i'm not involved in that world have you met a people lot of, though that do crossfit i mean they talk about it yeah, and they the way talk that about vegans it. talk about yeah, being yeah, a yeah, vegan yeah. so and that's a it's a common joke like i hear people make fun of crossfitters in the same way that they make fun of vegans uh and i imagine they're kind of in with cyclists and stuff too. Um, although I can't imagine that CrossFitters would be as intolerable as cyclists. Well, so. cyclists are actually on the road doing some annoying thing to you. Yeah, Whereas CrossFitters who cares are just, just getting you know, up early and working out, and flipping a fit. tire over and over. <laughs> That's such whatever. a bad description, I'm sure. But like, <laughs> they do various workouts, and but it's you know, I guess it's like body real. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know. Keep anything. yourself, keep yourself active, right? Like doing whatever. <laughs> I mean, they have intense teacher. workout programs that they do together, but it's not like traditional. I mean, it's it's stuff that would be practical. Like, uh, I mean, I'm making this up. So I'm talking out of my butt, but like, I think they do. Whether it's rock climbing or or, or, or lifting yourself up or lifting real items, and like, I mean, you go to a gym where they do CrossFit, so you don't. It's not just. Uh, I don't know. It's this whole program, but it's really intense, and it's grocery supposedly bag like, carrying. <laughs> I think that's the spirit of it, though, is that it's like 
real, like if you think about when you lift weights, if you just lift some dumbbells and you do this curl, like yes, it does make you look good, but does that actually, is that practical strength? Is that really, <laughs> is it though? It is, once you're strong, you're strong. But like, I guess there's something appealing about what are the real motions we do in real life? Cause it's unusual to do a curl like that with anything. So I, I don't know. I, I, I can see the appeal of it being catered toward genuine athleticism or something like that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't even know if I'm right about any of what I just said. Um, but a few more things about my, like just of note about me uh, going through this three day cleanse is I did uh, like, I wasn't as hungry as I thought, but I did get fixated on food and I started uh, fantasizing about the, the fine, the meal, my first meal or, <sighs> or the Saturday's day. And I was very excited about it. And what was it? What did you have? Well, I had, uh, so I made, we, I wanted to make nachos. I got really hung up on nachos, but I didn't want to just make regular nachos. I was looking up uh, unusual recipes and there's, um, I mean, nachos, like put anything savory on it and it's pretty yeah. much, you're good to go. Um, so I got caught on my own idea. I was proud of this. I was like, it struck me. I could make, you could make grilled cheese nachos or nacho grilled cheese. And now it got all like, oh, <laughs> and so like we rolled out these grilled cheeses, like we, and we, so it was really thin. Then we cut them up into each each sandwich had eight, and so we cheddar cheese, you know, butter, whatever, and then you bake them. So they almost became like chips. So then we put the nacho chips down. Then we put those down, and then we made some um, cream cheese, like jalapeno popper dip, basically, because yeah. Publix has this popper dip. It's amazing. And then I made my own with, cream, but it doesn't. It's not made with cream cheese. And I really got uh, on to like I want cream cheese. And so we made this unbelievable. Oh, it was so good. But I'll tell you though, like that was going to be our night meal, you know, with a few drinks and have fun. So we're not going to wait till the night. So. Uh, our first meal, we woke up starving, and we went to Waffle House, and it was the best freaking grilled chicken. <laughs> you know, their grilled chicken oh, yeah, biscuit. Good, yeah. Like, I, anyone who's not had their grilled chicken biscuit, like, or just their chicken, I guess, at all, like, they marinate it, and I don't know. It's not super strong. Like, it's not, like, this special taste. It just tastes like grilled chicken, but it's yeah, always consistently really delicious. I mean, it, and I've, I have turned people on to this where, I've, like, and I, including Danielle, uh, you know, people go, oh, what's the big deal? And they take a bite and they go, that is delish. I mean, that is really, really good. And so uh, I just, I I would stake my claim to that, or I'd put my reputation out there, like go out, have that chicken uh, biscuit and you're going to enjoy it. I agree. Um, it's really, their chicken is it, really tasty. It it's just, it's not something I would flavor. think. It's Waffle House. I'll be honest, like a lot of their food, I really like it. I'm a fan of Waffle House. I like the culture surrounding it. I like all of it, but I'm not going to sit there and say their food's it's unique uh or or like special tasting but i'm but their chicken is special to me it is just it's special and yet it's not this flavor that you've never had before it's just a good grilled chicken flavor i don't know what it's marinated in I, i'm gonna look up the recipe and see if i can recreate that at home because oh that'd be so good waffle house is kind of special uh i mean i guess i don't i don't go out and eat breakfast foods that often but like the places that I've had waffles, other than Waffle House, they always try to be fancy and have Belgian waffles or something, and they ne they just never end up as good as Waffle House waffles, which are, I mean, they're just Waffle House waffles. It's not like they're, I get what you're saying, it's not like they're fancy, 
but Waffle House has its own style and it all comes together and it's just a I like I'm very uh, pro Waffle House. Yeah, I guess I should back up and say so. Yeah, their waffles are very distinct and I love them and that's their signature. So they really nailed it. If you're going to call yourself Waffle House, you better have a damn good waffle and they do and it's unique and yes. But I'm, I guess I just meant that if you're a diner and eggs is like a major part of your menu. I mean, eggs are just eggs yeah. and any sort of diner. I mean, diners are just diners. Um, and there's just a smaller window of how unique. I mean, they're not gonna ha- they're not gonna cater to the hipster crowd and have like a goat cheese and bacon jam burger or something like that. You know, they're just yeah. it's just gonna yeah. be. You get your hash browns covered and smothered, and you're gonna like it. Like you know, <laughs> it's just it's just like your 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 omelet's gonna be an omelet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just. It's, it is what it is, and it knows it, and it's not trying to be something else, and I appreciate that. Because that's where I, I think yeah. Applebee's and things like that went wrong. This is like middle America. They know what they want. They love this stuff. And then hip, the hipster movement came in and said, we want fancy, weird stuff. And so Applebee's, Chili's, these sorts of places said, uh, okay. Oh, and and yeah. and But the thing is, like that's not what middle America... That's Look, hipsters scoff at these restaurants anyway, and they're not going to go. And and middle the people that do go are like, what the heck is on this menu? You know, why are you changing things up? And so everybody was, it just, it just. How do they get everything. cheese from a goat? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, kind of, I'm joking. I mean, I, and, and I'm not even being mean spirited. I'm like, I love these places, or not. I actually, think Applebee's sucks. Their service is terrible, and but sure. I think chili. But I'm not. I'm not scoffing at their lack of quality. Like I want their, you know, bang bang shrimp knockoff or whatever. I want sure, all yeah. their like, fried, you know, when I was crappy uh, stuff. I love it. So. When I was a kid, Applebee's was like one of the places I would clamor to go to because they had they used to have a Bourbon Street steak. And when I was a kid, I loved steak. I still love steak. But did you love it, it in was, that way that it's almost like an older people's food that you were kind of cool for getting, or was I think that not so. part of? Yeah, it? Like I, 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 I do. That, I can. I can imagine that's an adult thing, and here you yeah. are getting this adult. I, I think. Manly I think that thing. was a little of it. But the Bourbon Street steak at Applebee's, you know, they had it on one of those iron skillets, and it had like a ton of like blackened seasoning. Oh, it's probably and stuff. like sirloin, just a low quality cut of meat, but <laughs> but with a ton of spices and sizzling on that iron skillet, and they bring it out and it'd be all so smoking manly. and sizzling. Yeah, man, I love that as a kid the spectacle of it oh it was great and so i would i would just always be asking it was either pizza hut applebee's that's about it that's, <laughs> i was <laughs> waiting for something else those are the ones and well I, I, just, I remember your affinity for steak and i also i was intimidated by steak it was a man's food and i was a child like that's just right, yeah. too much like that's just and getting a knife, like a steak knife, and oh, that was yeah. that was like, oh man. And I remember you liking it and thinking it's it's just a little too much for me, Bennett. Like I don't know, like <laughs> I don't uh, <laughs> like even because your dad would cook or uh, grill steaks and he was really yeah. good at it, and you loved it. And I wasn't. It's not that I was a, opposed to the taste. I'm just a kid that wanted, you know, che- like McDonald's and chicken fingers or chicken something, tenders. and pizza yeah. and whatever. And like, and so it was just sort of like, uh, steaks, fine. It's just in. I, it's so strange to say that a food could be intimidating culturally or whatever, but like, you know, even I don't think know. about it no, when, I you're, mean, when you're sushi. younger, like even cutting a steak, that's like, maybe this is where I develop my sort of uh, lazy food consumption. Like I don't order crab legs, even though I like crab legs, just because I don't want to manipulate it and open it up. And uh-huh. there's potential yeah. for looking stupid, but also it's just a lot of work and I want to just eat my food. And I, as a kid, I considered steak a lot of work. Obviously just cutting a bite <laughs> of your steak is no big deal, but it was... 
I don't know if it's just when you're little, like we're, it's literally like your muscles, it's, it's in a knife yeah, and, and it's just like, how do you hold it in coordination? And yeah, yeah. yeah. And this sort of, I had, even at that age, I had some knowledge that like dipping it and I'm, I'm glad I salute you for not, uh, you know, not yielding to this, but di- dipping it in steak was kind of trashy and like ketchup, the, but I, yeah, dipping it in ketchup. What did I say? Dipping it in steak. Oh, <laughs> dipping your steak in ketchup was kind of trashy and and yet I wanted to dip it in, in ketchup. And so I, it was just, a, it was just too much. It was like, nope, not getting, not getting steak. There's too many People variables People are judging here. me. Like, yeah, there's judgment. There's, it's too, it's too manly, whatever that means. It's, I mean, uh. obviously steak isn't inherently manly, but, but if, I guess in my household, my mom got the like chicken Alfredo and my dad got the steak and it was just a very classic sort of ordering. At least in my mind, it just, uh-huh. it, it, I've solidified as like, uh, pasta being well, also, I mean, and, well, I mean, think about it too. Like in my family, and probably in yours too, it was my dad that grilled the steaks. My dad was the griller. My mom yeah. was the cooker. You know, if we were doing chicken, then my mom would bake it in the oven or whatever. But if we were doing steak, my dad was grilling it on the grill. So, like, there was still some conceptualization of steak being the manly one and the yep. baked chicken being the the womanly one. I would eat them both. But the steak was the one that I liked. Uh, but I think for me, it was. I mean, there might have been a little bit of that, but I just I love the mostly taste of it the taste. Too. I'm sure. Yeah, it's not like you didn't like the taste, but you wanted to be a man, so you just <laughs> forced it down or something. It's yeah, a funny right. thought. That is funny. Yeah, so good. And dipping. There's nothing wrong with dipping a steak in ketchup. That acidity mixing in there with the fat on the steak. Oh. They just throw a little science out there, and it, and oh, it makes it so okay. good. Yeah, the people, the people who, uh, people who trash it, they, they. Uh, well, why do well. you think it's considered trashy? I mean, why, why do we develop well, these things to judge as trashy? You, yeah. I can tell you why. It's because um, a lot of places, you know, I guess historically, if they have old meat or bad cuts of meat, then you know, dipping it in ketchup or in a sauce disguises the poor quality of the meat. And so if you're poor and trashy and you're eating poor quality meat, then you dip it in ketchup to make it palatable. And so that's understandable that it got that reputation. But I don't eat poor quality old meat. I eat fresh, delicious ribeye steaks that I just grill. And then I dip them in ketchup a Is little the bit. other side of the coin that it's insulting to the chef because they've prepared this amazing piece of meat. And so dipping it in ketchup is just, is suggesting that maybe it isn't quality or isn't good. And yeah, so sure. Insulting. Maybe I, that might be the case. But I'm paying the chef for that steak. And so I'm damn well going to dip it in ketchup if I want. <laughs> you're going to do what you and, want with yeah, it. Yeah, and you can <laughs> suck it up. And if you're one of those chefs that say, oh, you can you eat the way we want you to eat, you know. That's my chef accent. Um, <laughs> All chefs. There's a chef accent. We should not yeah. have like national accents. We should have. We should just have like yeah, different uh, professions and their. Accent. I mean, there there are restaurants that are like that, and they're like no no substitutions. You know, yep. you or can't I, get I it. can see a fancy restaurant in like L.A. not having ketchup or ranch. They're just like no, we're too. Yeah. We, we our food is good. We're not carrying that rancid crap like yeah right and like you know okay i just won't eat at your restaurant you know you don't need my business i just won't eat there um or you know there are burger places that won't you know if you order your burger without lettuce or tomato or something they just put it on there anyway they say we're not doing that um I find that suggestion so arrogant i mean it's trying to go for a soup nazi you know um vibe of like we our culinary experts trust us and and that makes 
some degree of sense. I, I get the appeal of going, I'm going to this place and I need to trust them. However, um, like, they're just different people in the world. And they're, well, allergies, but just taste. Like, don't eat something you don't like. And I'm not going to convince Bennett that he likes mustard. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so and if my burger that i've concocted in my restaurant yeah, has mustard, mustard on burger. it but yeah and it's still and it's and it's great and bennett could enjoy it if i just didn't put the mustard on it then like let him enjoy it i, I just don't understand the there's a, there's such a degree of arrogance at that i point. think i think the the right compromise is that you know if you have a restaurant and you think you know better than the people who are paying uh, to eat food from your restaurant then you put all of those fancy hipster things on your menu. You know, you have the mustard burger on your menu and you have the ketchupless steak. And that's not even that doesn't make sense. But you put <laughs> you put all that on your menu and then you present it to the customer and they'll look at it and they'll read it and they'll either go, This all sounds disgusting and leave, or they'll go, you know what, I'll give it a try. Give me the ketchupless steak. Um, they'll try it out. And if they you know, if they're one over, they'll come back and have it again. And and well, I not, am convinced sometimes if it's a it's a restaurant that they, and there's a burger and it, it, let's just say it's a, a an item I'm not usually wild about, but I'm willing to give it a shot and it's in mixed in with a bunch of others, you know, mm-hmm. like okay, let's see how this goes. And so um, yeah, sure. I'm even I'm not opposed to taking a risk on some things, you know, if I. If it's on the menu and it sounds interesting and I ask the uh, the waiter and I'm like, hey, what's the deal with this? Is it good? And they're like, oh, you wouldn't think it would be, you know, like a peanut butter burger, you know, there like you they, there are those burgers that have peanut butter on them. And yeah. they're like, you wouldn't think it would be good, but it actually is really good. You ought to try it. You know, that might win me over. I might go, okay, you know what? I'll try it. And it helps because I love peanut butter and burgers, but you know, they're just, I normally wouldn't combine those things. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I gotta tell you, like that's so with the fasting and stuff. Well, I guess you wouldn't call it fasting, like you said. It was some form of nutrients, but I'm telling yeah, you, these were these this cleanse. I mean, each you want to say smoothie or shake. I'm drinking every two hours. Sounds like oh, he's having something every two hours. I'm talking. I'm telling you, it was like 14 ounces of water with this this yeah. tiny little powder. It, it did not feel like you're eating a meal, man. It did not feel <laughs> like, oh, I'm full. It was no more sustaining than just drinking some water. I mean, it certainly was. There was powder in there. But yeah. I, I, it sounds less impressive. You're like, oh, he had a shake every every two hours. Like, no, 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 man. Like it, And also, even though I was very, I, I got fixated on food, I wasn't, there wasn't like hunger pains in my stomach. It was more just feeling weak. Uh, I did have a, a headache develop it on the second night. Uh, that's when I did have a protein shake too. It says, look, if you're hungry, eat. Uh, it just says that straight up. They don't want people to go to the hospital or something and then be liable for it. So, right, right. Um, and so I just had to manage that, that headache. But I was, it was, it was kind of a discipline exercise for me. Like, you know what? Uh, it was a colleague, she had just finished doing one and, uh, and I've always, in the back of my mind, been like, I'm not opposed to some sort of healthy, you know, BS, healthy, trendy thing. And this made it easy. You just buy a little kit and follow the directions instead of having to, it's like, okay. I mean, I guess that's what you're paying for is some of the expertise and nu- nutrients and, and mm-hmm. format. Like, here it all is. Here's a little kit. And I uh, 
I would recommend just as a, a discipline exercise and, and, and also training yourself. Like when I got home, I would go to the pantry and I'd find myself standing there staring and going, why am I doing this? And it's because <laughs> no. what, it's what I do when I get home, right? The automaticity <laughs> playing in. And, yeah. and, and I, I just was like, okay. It makes you aware of a couple things, like how much we center our day around breaks and meals. It's like, oh, it's lunchtime. And, um, but oh, here's another thing though I found interesting is people talk about temptation a lot. It's like oh, someone they had cinnamon buns one day, and I love cinnamon buns oh, and at work, and and I'm very hungry. It's day three, and they're having cinnamon buns, and I joke about how they they selected that just to torture me or whatever. But and here's what I don't know how to describe perfectly. I might sound this might sound alien to you, or it might resonate with you. Mm-hmm. I would seeing and smelling those cinnamon buns did not make me like closer to giving in or, or, or angry that they were having it and I wasn't. Like I my temptation to eat was no more tested at the smell of those cinnamon buns than than and I'd like I'm not tempted in those ways. Like, oh I'm about to give in, screw it and take the cinnamon bun and just eat it. It just I had made up my mind from the beginning I was gonna do this. I'd shut it down and like it didn't torture me. I don't know how to explain it. Like, did it smell good? Did I want it? All of that is yes. But it was no more torture than when I was thinking about the nachos and looking up the, like, that was actually more torturous, like, to myself. And it was intentional, looking up nacho recipes while you're, you know, having eaten for two days and yeah. salivating over these things. Um, am I making any sense to you that, like, like, the classic temptation is, oh, I'm hungry. Someone walks by with good food that you like, and, yeah, you, you, and you want it. And you're kind of, you're either mad at the person or teasing the person or whatever. But, like, ah. Um, and I even played the role and pretended to be tortured but <laughs> or, or extra tortured. But what does that mean that I just, that it, it didn't, I guess it just means I'm, I made up my mind and I, I, in my mind, this sounded more profound. I'm saying it out loud, and it doesn't sound that interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it just means that um, you know you're able to exert exert some willpower when necessary. So the discipline exercise uh, was you know a waste of time because you could do that already. You didn't need to. You didn't need to learn that skill. I guess my thing is temptation. It, temptation comes in different forms, though, or like. Like you think temptation comes at its uh, the immediate availability of that of of the thing you desire, um, but because you know there it is literally this this cinnamon bun is attainable to me. I could literally just say okay, I want it, and I could take a bite, and so that's what would create the temptation is the proximity and access and availability, right? All right there, mm-hmm. but but I knew from the beginning if I. I guess my mind is good at knowing, dude, Here's if a, I really want I a burger, a, I can go get one. Like It is available to me, whether it's in yeah, front yeah. of me or a 10-minute drive down the here's street. A, here's an interesting question. Do you, So uh, thinking about personalities, you and I are both on the Myers-Briggs scale, J types. We're planners. We're, or Well, the J stands for judging, but essentially that means we plan things, right? Everything mm-hmm. has its place. We plan in advance. We don't like unannounced plans or changes uh do you think that that plays a role in discipline or in the ability to resist temptation because what it sounds like what you're telling me is you had already planned not to eat cinnamon buns you already knew that you were just gonna drink a juice every two hours and that's what you were gonna be eating so 
So when you had this unwelcome interruption of cinnamon buns on the table, well, it's annoying that that was presented to you, but you already have the plan. You've already put, that's already in your head. So you don't have to think about what decision to make in the moment because you already have your plan set. I think you're absolutely right. That, that's actually what I was trying to articulate maybe on some level is, or that's the discovery I learned is that yeah. for me, also, I had conceptualized temptation already pretty accurately. I already knew delicious burgers exist. So at right. my, my, okay, let's say someone who's less disciplined or less of a planner doesn't think of like, you know, and they love burgers too, just like me. The difference is when I see the burger right in front of my face, I had already conceptualized that temptation of the burger and that had defeated the, the, the power of the burger over me in some ways. Like I really, like mm-hmm. all food, I was like, oh, it's going to be tempting. I'll be thinking about it. I'd, I had really walked through in my mind what this was going to feel like and all of that. And so then seeing it, when it played out in actuality, it was just like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's almost this matter-of-fact feeling of, yes, there it is. Um, it is, in fact, delicious smelling. And so I can't say that it didn't make me a little like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, reality versus the conceptualization of reality is a different yeah, thing. There's different, a yeah. giant gap, no doubt. But it didn't make me want to give in. Whereas perhaps someone just saying, perhaps on some level when you're not planning that thoroughly, you're like, oh, I just won't eat for three days. And then you move on to the next thing. So so actuality is like hitting you a little harder and you hadn't thought about that cinnamon bun. So when it does right. present itself, that's here's a Here's another question. You remember um, a while back when we talked about uh, aphantasia, the which is the supposed inability to visualize things in your head? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I wonder if there's a similar thing for taste. So I'll, I'll just ask you, like, can you imagine what something? So imagine, um, uh, imagine like a buffalo chicken wing. All right. Okay. Imagine that and. Imagine taking a bite of it and the flavor of the buffalo sauce on your tongue. Can you imagine precisely what it tastes like? Um, yes, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also, I, now you've created desire in me to get it. So like, it's not <laughs> well, enough. Well, I'm not talking about... I'm just satiate not, the need. Or, no, it doesn't sorry. satiate the needs. I'm not talking about that. But like, you can you can clearly picture the taste or yeah, like yeah. Um, a uh, ice cream sandwich. And you can just... You can recreate the flavor in your head that yeah. is exactly what that ice cream sandwich tastes like uh and i wonder i wonder if there are people out there who can't do that in the same way that you know they can't visualize something i wonder if there are people out there with i don't know what it would be called a tastasia <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or whatever like who who can't do that it's it's not really relevant to um to what you're talking about it just popped in my head well I wonder even people with a fantasia if you can't I wonder how they are with uh, temptation in general. You know, can you accurate? And it's probably not the same thing. Yeah. But if you well, can't that's what accurately I was conceptualize if... your temptations, because that's how I overcome yeah. temptations is sort of understand that that draw will be there. Try try to defeat it before the temptation ever arises. I mean, I guess that's when I would be susceptible susceptible to a temptation is when I wasn't expecting it or had not even considered it. Like if I hadn't thought, oh, I'm going to be hungry and I will want a burger, Daniel, don't give in when, you know, future Daniel, don't give in when you want that burger. And like, I'm pretty good at going, okay, okay, past Daniel. I remember you saying that and I appreciate it. Here we are in this <laughs> moment and I, you know, we I want to honor my past and future self and yay. 
and I also yeah. know that me now, the future self with the burger, would be would create a future future self that would be uh, disappointed and upset. And so I can yeah. also imagine that person being really pissed off with me. And so I don't do yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, and I'll, I actually do constantly picture that tension of the past that's me good. and future no, me. That's good. I, I kind of do the same thing. And I think that like, you know, let's take a moment and pat ourselves on the back and all the other planner types and the people who, you know, they pick a path and they stick to it. Because it seems like nowadays spontaneity you know that's a buzzword that people throw around and it's always a positive uh and there's definitely benefits to being spontaneous but like i don't think that i don't think that unspontaneity gets enough recognition like that's what allows you to make the bargain with your past self or recognize the um the disappointment that your past self would have if he could see you you know giving into temptation or whatever spontaneously so yeah, I guess spontaneity, is it discipline? Is discipline just the, uh, I don't know, opposite of spontaneity? Order, um, orderness, whatever. But yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I mean, I like spontaneity, spontaneity and impulsiveness, you could consider them to be synonyms, but spontaneity has a positive connotation and impulsiveness has a negative connotation. But they're kind of the same, wouldn't you say? I would. I mean, if I said, you could easily say if I, like, you if could next say, weekend I, mean, I came to see you and we were pleased with this, right? I bought tickets and I flew to see you. Like, that's spontaneous, but it, it, it's sure. impulse. It is impulsive. Right. Like, and, and, like, to, to, you know, to look on the other hand, you know, what we're talking about being a planner, you might say disciplined, but you might also say stubborn, right? That would be the negative connotation yes, of it. Absolutely. And that's levied at me from, you know, people yeah, who know me like because right, i right, like because yeah, i won't deviate like that's kind of the that's not fun like come on you're, you're being no fun it's like yeah because we agreed not to yeah. do this like i'm not right. I, in my mind it's like what do you mean I, like what do you mean i'm not being fun I'm, I'm literally just doing what we said we were gonna do kind of thing right, right. so yeah oh juice cleanses <laughs> well i've got a uh i've got a we haven't done Bennett fixes sports in a while. Oh man, I'm ready to fix some sports. And so I thought with the uh, what do they call it? The Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Did you know they call it that? By the way, uh, the 2020 Jeez. Tokyo Olympics. They just keep it that, even though it's 2021. I find that really strange. They're branding That's... all the all the flag when people are running, and it says it every like because it's branded everywhere. It just yeah, says 2020. Yeah. I guess they they did they just sit back and go, we've already printed out. A million dollars worth of banners. We're not undoing this, or did they say no? We're still going to go at 2024. So even though it's weird that the name of the Olympics is 2020 Tokyo or Tokyo 2020, whatever. Yeah, Uh, and here we are in in 2021 and having it. uh, Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Um, Like they should have, they should have just canceled it. They should have just canceled the whole thing and no, no 2020 Olympics. Yeah, Uh, that's what I think. I mean. You know, delaying it, whatever, that's fine enough. But if you're going to have it in 2021, it's the 2021 Olympics. And then the next one should be in 2025. Well, clearly you you have some gripes. Uh, I'm that's gonna, not my only gripes. <laughs> is it fair? Is this a little too open-ended to say fix the Olympics, Bennett? Or are you willing no. to take a stab at I'm going to take a stab. I can do this. <laughs> right. I can do it. Let's so fix for, the Olympics. All right. So first, let, let me let me share my thoughts on, on the Olympics. So, 
I like the idea. I like the idea of the Olympics. I the love the game. idea. The whole world yeah. comes together and competes in games yeah. for fun and like and yes, well, oh, some pride, no. but national for pride. pride. And it's a well, it's a gigantic worldwide competition that tests ultimate athleticism. It's so right? cool. <laughs> yeah, like, these are people who are peak physical specimens who train constantly to be the best that they can breaking world records and everything in whatever narrow task. I mean, world records are set by Olympians. Like that's when it happens. Right. Or can right. you have like Guinness come out and uh, measure your, your running or something like, can't, like, you know what I mean? What's a world record? I guess they're Olympic world records, right? They're called the Olympic world records, but no one's uh, out there beating them anyway. Like they are the world records. Is it redundant to call it the Olympic world record? I mean, I'm sure people beat world records outside of the Olympics. Tr- but... Well, I'm sure when they're training, some of them are beating the world record a few times, yeah. right? And they're going in going, I'm going to beat the freaking world record because they've done it 10 times the last time they practiced. But then, you know, sure. they don't do it when it's time because that's the oh, official, like, you know, that's the, that's the pressure. That's, the, that's part of it. That's the competition. So the, the idea, that concept is really great. Yeah. And I can't understand. I don't understand how we ended up with our with the current olympics out of that idea because the current olympics is a snooze fest like it is so boring well i don't uh, even know like there's just a lot of uh i'll call them strange or unfamiliar sports or what happens like what counts as a sport and what doesn't yeah. you know, well oh, i i uh i forgive me for pre-compiling a list uh in this <laughs> in this topic that you spontaneously brought up but yeah here, here's a list of the events in the 2020 Olympics. Diving, marathon swimming, swimming, synchronized swimming, water polo, which water. I will say as an aside, water polo might be cool because you don't ever see horses in a pool. Uh, <laughs> basketball, three-on-three basketball, canoe sprint, canoe slalom, BMX. I didn't know basketball is an Olympic sport. Sorry. BMX freestyle, BMX racing, mountain biking, road cycling, track cycling, artistic and rhythmic gymnastics, trampoline, volleyball, both beach and indoor, equestrian, both dressage, eventing, and jumping, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, baseball, softball, archery, athletics, whatever that is. Athletics is athletics? I don't know what it is. I didn't look it up. But badminton. Boxing, fencing, field hockey, football, golf, handball, judo, karate, pentathlon, rowing, rugby, sailing, shooting, skateboarding, sport climbing, surfing, ping pong, taekwondo, tennis, triathlon, and weightlifting. Those are all of the Olympic events. Okay. Like, Um, so, and, like, there are teams for each of those events uh, and and there are a bunch of countries that participate in the Olympics. So you end up with a bajillion participants in the Olympics, and the attention is just diffused over all of them. Actually, You're right. it's hard to know how serious a single event is, right? You can't be like this. I mean, you can within a. This is for the gold medal. This particular one, but you yeah, know. it's just it's diffused over. How long does it take to do the Olympics? A few weeks, right? I like, mean. I don't know few weeks at least a month or so. it just seems yeah. like and then any time of day you're like want to see if anything's on the, Olymp- uh, you know, the olympics being covered oh, and you kind of like it's something to put on in the background almost at a party or something yeah yeah and that's not good enough i mean that's not good enough like the all the enthusiasm that people have when they're watching a football game which is already bizarre to me like 
the Olympics should be ultra enthusiasm. Like it should be 10 Super Bowls combined in terms <laughs> of enthusiasm into the Olympics. But it's not. Instead, it's like 10, it's like one Super Bowl diluted into 10 mini Super Bowls, and people just kind of look at it every now and then, which is a shame. And it's like, like, uh, and, and let's be real too. Some of these events are just not interesting. Like badminton, like you're gonna have tune tune in and draw a crowd for bat Olympic badminton. I, that's the thing you're, is that the more unfamiliar the sport, the less I know how, if that's actually impressive. You know, like I assume I'm looking at the finest badminton ever. Fine, but would, sure. You know. uh, okay. Great. Maybe they're world-renowned badminton players. But like, if I don't probably... have an appreciation for it, if I have, if I don't watch it regularly, yeah. Right. So. Well, and and you know, and I'm not saying that because I think I'm good at badminton. I'm probably terrible at badminton, and you know, it's not it's not a matter of pride. It's a matter of why are you competing in badminton? And do like, people fill badminton stadiums? At other times of year? That's what I'm confused. How do you get to be on the badminton team? Are you, like, been training? Did you play in high school? And then, you know, how do you get to be an Olympian badminton Olympic badminton like, athlete? <laughs> yeah, badminton. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make... It doesn't make sense. Badminton doesn't belong in the Olympics. Let's can we just agree on that? Like you you and ahead. I and yeah. everyone listening, <laughs> we can all agree. Badminton doesn't belong. Handball? No. Get out. And, like, I even think, like, golf and basketball golf is and baseball new, i believe i might be wrong about that weirdly new to the olympics i'm not sure though like they shouldn't have uh like football and golf and baseball and basketball things that have their own tournaments and leagues like so just like if, if there's there's the nba there's the nfl we, we've got enough that 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 they service those needs so we don't need to do it yeah, we saying? don't need that. Yeah, we don't need that. Why the, do we need the, the USA to go in and dominate? Like, yeah, right, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and so like, anyway, so all of this combined, all of these diverse events uh, that are nonetheless segregated, like you, you don't have the swimmers competing in the gymnastics or anything like that, and it's distributed over. There are actually eleven thousand one hundred participants in the Olympics this time. So all of that attention distributed over that, over all the countries. Like, can you name a single Olympian? Um, Simone Wild something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. There we go. There we go. I know who you're talking <laughs> no, I'm about. I'm the wrong there person some, to ask. But, there was but. some controversy with her, so I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name either. But still, like, I don't know any. Like, Michael Phelps would be the best I could do, and he's not even there anymore. <laughs> and I if bet, you think right? about it, the word Olympian should be, I mean, these are like, gods amongst men kind of thing like right like and yet if there's 1100 are you just saying that's entirely too many to be impressive yeah i'm just saying that you know this is this they is should be con- rock stars and superstars that we yes. know household yes. names this is these are countries battling for national pride in their in the level of athleticism that they can produce and we can't name a single we can only name the first name of one person who had some controversy from the. Well, United you and States. I shouldn't be the test. <laughs> yes, we should. Okay, yes, sure. Yes, we should. <laughs> but, but like, I mean, but, but you're right. No, sorry. Not, so, it's not common knowledge. Like, there aren't yeah. like Olympic fans who check the stats. I mean, I'm sure there are, but like, there are but so many, many people that know their football, right? Like right, fantasy yes. football, and they just can rattle off and talk stats and all this all day, but you don't see that. You don't see fantasy Olympics. Olympics, It's not like you don't find people in the off years going, oh, 
uh, you know, Simone blah, blah, blah is looking really good. I better, you know, can't wait until 2024. You know, <laughs> people don't do that. Right. It's just out, out of people's minds in the interim time. Right. So, it's just something you tune into. You hope your country does well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Put it on the and bar so, in the background in the bar and that's it. Yeah. Right. And so, so all of this, this is my case for why the Olympics need to be fixed. There's a need here. And I'm here to fix that need. I can do it. I can do it. All right, let's hear how you do it. But there's one other thing, one other complaint before I before I fix it. Like also, there's an additional component aside from the athletes, where the Olympics is is kind of more of a consumer sales event than a real. Like there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around it that I also find kind of annoying. You that mean like opening be, ceremonies and stuff, or is that just yeah, all the ceremonies and nonsense and bleh, you know it's the torches, torch running, and all of this. Bleh, I like you push back. I think that's part of coming together and like I don't know, I don't know. It's kind of neat that there's this fire that's never been put out or something. I don't know. It's been passed <laughs> along, <laughs> whatever. I think Metaphorically, it's not, I, I think it's obnoxious. Um, and like, I think it also. Do you think all un- parades are obnoxious? Like, because uh, that's. I feel yeah. like it's just a big parade, or kind of. Even though it might not be, it just is like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's I was like, it, it's just there to go. Yay! It's beginning. It's kind of a, a pep rally, if you will. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm in my bold segment, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> all, all. I'm going to go there. All parades are obnoxious. <laughs> I'm just going to put it all out there. All right, um, so so let's fix the Olympics. Um, so here's here's how m- the new Olympics will be. Okay. So we're going to eliminate almost all of those events, all of those separate events. There's however many dozens of them that I listed. You know, we don't we don't need five events in a pool. We don't need five on a bike, three on a horse, and all the ball and stick and net games. And we don't <laughs> we don't need ball stick net games in the Olympics. We got we've got our leagues that i should also fix for ball stick net games um so they, they can have their own sport tournaments um we're also going to eliminate all of these specialized teams for every country for every event those are gone like we're no more eleven thousand one hundred athletes competing instead what we're going to do is every country gets 10 athletes total Ooh. for all events they have to pick an elite team of 10 people uh, and that team has to be diverse enough to accomplish everything. Everything that so they're, they're all doing multiple sports or, or or whatever you're about to say. I, yes, I'm anticipating. Yeah. Okay, but you can you can only choose from these ten people. Nine of these team members they can be you know professional athletes that train just like you know just like the the normal ones that we have now. Although yeah. they're going to have to be much more um, uh, broad in their training, right? Yeah. But one team, the tenth team member, is a random citizen, a random citizen from <laughs> like the country. a lottery, like it yeah. chooses. <laughs> it's it's a it's a random citizen between the ages of sixteen and forty five. They have to be in good health and they have to consent to participate. Uh-huh. So you can't uh... just you can't just you can't just force someone. When you say good health, you just mean they don't have heart conditions. It still could be some like you know pot bellied like forty five or how you hold you to say forty. Uh, so it could be a thirty five. Sixteen to forty-five. Okay, so there could be a there could be a forty-five-year-old who's like had a few beers in his day, and like, but he's not. Could his be. heart's fine. You're sure, just saying yeah. good health. Me is just you're you're going in if you get if you get selected, you know. Well, and you want to, and, and you he want, wants and, to, and yeah. Presumably, you would. Well, I don't, there would be a lot of pressure. So, you know, if you think you're not worthy and you got too much of a gut to compete in the Olympics, then you know you might turn it down. But 
anyway, like that's the. I, thought, I don't that's think they it. should be able to say no. <laughs> Just... I, I, I can, I can, I considered that, but like, you know, then you don't want unwilling competitors because then you know how are they going to behave? You want them to be trying. You want their heart to be in it because, okay. as we both know, you know how much heart you have is. You know that determines how how much you win. Right, right. people so would. It's really, all about this heart. would be a fan favorite just every every. Yeah, Olympic, well, this know? would be like ima- just imagine if you have this battle between two you know countries that are that have a rivalry or whatever, um, and you have this event and it's the random citizen from the USA versus the random citizen from you know uh, Great Britain or whatever, and you got this kind of uh, a slightly overweight Brit, you know, with his top hat and his monocle or whatever, and you have the American, and it's like a kid, a high school kid or something, and, like, they're going, they, they compete in the event, like, that would be, that would be amazing, uh, right? That would be really so good. Be. <laughs> and whoever won, you know, they would be a celebrity, and p- their country would love them, and we would be able to hold them up as, like, oh, random citizens of the U.S. are the greatest. So would uh, you, I, I don't want to get ahead of you, but would you say that the random citizens have to compete against each other, or would there be, like, this strategic planning? No, no, like no. We know so-and-so is the world's best at basketball or whatever your sport is, that we just no, no, go no. ahead and put up our, our bad person to play them because we're going to lose anyway. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but that's not how I would uh, arrange the events. I'll, I'll, uh... I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and get to that to the to the events of the new Olympics. Um, so I mean, conceivably there could be a one-on-one situation, but uh, with the t- with teams of ten, I imagine a lot more team uh, team competitions. But anyway, so here's how I would structure the actual competition. Um, I would have it so that the hosting country they have four years, the four intervening years between each Olympics to prepare. A country-spanning obstacle course. It spans their whole country <laughs> in a variety of ways, kind of like the Amazing Race, sort yeah, of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this obstacle course tests multiple skills, uh, and so all the teams, all the teams start in one place and they make their way through all of the events over the course of however many weeks, two weeks, or whatever. Wait, this is—it would have a reality end. show feel to it, right? It would be so exciting. You get to know the athletes as they're traveling across the country. Am I, yeah, am I hearing sure, that right? Yeah. There'd yeah, be yeah, drama. Yeah. There'd be some social drama involved in this, I'm sure. You know? Right. And so, you know, I'm open to <clears throat> I, I would I would leave it up to the host country to decide whether they want it to be a race, you know, like you like you the they shoot the gun or whatever on day one and whoever competes the event on day twenty first, that team wins. Like I'm open to that if they want, or if they just want to have it be a symbolic progression from, you know, one end of the country to the other and they have you know, events and individual cities and locations in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scheduled. That's fine, too. I'd leave it really up to learn about the country, wouldn't you? Each yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a cool I, idea. Yeah, I think it's really neat. And that way, like, we avoid the trap that every other professional sport has fallen into where every year it's just the same. Like, now we're on Super Bowl 42 or whatever, you know, the 42nd season of football. And it's like, who cares anymore? <laughs> Um, like who watches the 42nd season of survivor or CSI or whatever, like no one, like the, the interest has waned. So we don't need and and Olympics have been around since like, you know, the Greek times or whatever. So we're naked or whatever. Yeah. Right. So we're really past our prime here doing it this way. The host country would be able to keep it fresh every four years, every Olympics, they would get to, to change, change up how they do it. So in, in addition to that, the host country gets to choose the individual events that it uses. 
um, for its Olympics. And so the way I imagine it working is instead of having these discrete events like, like, uh, you know, like basketball or um, gymnastics or whatever, the host country, they, there's a list of like general uh, skills. So, so the ones that I could think of were swimming, speed, endurance, cycling, climbing, fighting, dexterity, acuity, grace, balance, and strength. So acuity, that's interesting. Acuity, so you know, like uh, accuracy and aiming yeah. or whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, so th- those are just po- some general skills that I could think of, but you, we could have more um, strength. Did you have that in there? Yeah, strength. There's strength less is on, on there okay. too. So the way the way they might want to do it is they maybe there are ten events total in the Olympics, and they pick five pure events and five mixed events, and so the pure events would be you know, pure speed or pure strength or pure cycling or whatever. And the mixed events would be some combination of, you know, one or two of those. So I thought up some examples um, that, that could possibly be considered. So like a pure event would be something like downhill bike racing, you know, which would be pure cycling. I mean, I yeah. guess you could say speed, but sure. But it's mostly mostly cycling. Right. River, sw- river swimming, that would be a cool event, right? Yeah. Like instead of... Sw- Swimming in a pool, swimming up a river or something. That would be awesome. That would be uh, tough. Gosh. Yeah, I like it. Tightrope obstacle course. That's pretty cool. Like <laughs> t- testing pure balance, right? You have yeah. to navigate yeah. on all of these ropes everywhere. Um, team free-for-all boxing. That's pure <laughs> free-for-all boxing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pure fighting. You know, so, like, just think about how crazy that would be. Like you have your team of 10 people. And you're fighting another team of ten people in like a free for all. The size of the match. ring, yeah. If it's even a ring, I don't know. It might be the. It might be like a small, like a city block or something. We should like, put boxing on your list of to improve because it's an inter- it It's is, pretty exciting. Yeah. Okay, it's just an interesting yeah. one. You know, no, I ha- I have it on my list. I haven't uh, I haven't improved it yet, but I could. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, put, team free for all boxing would be here. awesome. <laughs> An- uh, the, another uh, obvious pure event would be Olympics rerun watching, which obviously is an endurance sport. Olympics uh, rerun watching. Yeah, you have to sit and watch reruns of old Olympics uh, <laughs> before before I fixed it. Uh, and whoever whoever can you know do it the longest without falling asleep, they win the endurance uh, match. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of hours, I suppose, and not falling yeah. asleep. Right. Yeah. So it would be hard. Uh, might be cruel, cruel and unusual punishment. Um, That's an unu- but like this is silly. But like the staying up and stuff like these are sort of endurance things that aren't like staying up or eat food contests or stuff like that. You know, like these are. I would like to see a hot dog eating. Olympic yeah, that's level good. One, hot dog, you know? hot dog eating would be or good. some sort of food eating. Yeah, hot yeah, it would be the host host country. So like Japan, they might do like sushi eating or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> um, I really like this. Yeah, so I, I was also thinking like uh, you know the host country would have specialized events. So Japan could have sushi eating for endurance or like um shuriken sharpshooting that would be pretty cool or like katana fencing or something you know they, it would be themed that would be awesome because yeah, then it, cha- it changes depend and like you know if the olympics were in the united states you could have um like cowboy uh what do they call it when you duel with a uh, sharp you know like the yeah, uh, yeah sharpshooting show, showdown what are they, showdown. what's it called yeah, what? showdown at the okay corral or whatever <laughs> kind of like that where you pace off and you turn around and shoot yeah. at each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they would 
you you would be wearing vests or it would be like a paintball gun paintball, or something. Yeah. Um, and then the the mixed events are they leave a lot more room for creativity, I think. So some of the ones I thought of <clears throat> were like um, for strength and balance, uh, like a head balancing furniture lift. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember, but sometime when we saw, we went to a Cirque du Soleil, I think it was you and me maybe, and there was a guy that could just balance a ton of furniture on his head. Right, uh, right. Some you remember cha- that? Some chairs or maybe no. I'm yeah, thinking of a it was like chairs one, and like tables quite and all a kind bit, of stuff. Quite and they just kept piling. Yeah. They just kept piling it on and on and on. And it would be kind of like that, but you know, you have to hold up and balance a ton of. It, you know, it doesn't have to be furniture, but whatever it is, and that would be the event, and I, that would be really cool. Um, Any another sort one of balancing things. They're intense. People watch that like that. Yeah. Like your eyes gravitate to that. You can't help but want like it. I guess because safety's involved too, because I'm imagining put, pushing yourself too far past the limit with stuff that's that already, on your head. That's yeah. already the case with the Olympics, right? I mean, the weightlifting—you know—they lift really heavy amounts of weights, yeah, and there's point. danger. Yeah. There's danger involved. Horse judo. <laughs> oh, you got to explain more. Now, who's doing the fighting here? <laughs> <laughs> like, are the Olympians just like? Yeah. On so t- there. Are, they're a horseback, and you have to fight each other from horseback. Uh, so it's grace and fighting. That's the combo. I like uh, it. I like, uh, well, oh, God, I'm blanking on names right now. Uh, old school, where you javelin, like, are you yeah, going jousting. at each other? Jousting, jousting. Jousting, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. bring that back, man. Just old, yeah. like, running at each other with horses and, and spears yeah, and stuff. Like, that's neat. Yeah, that's cool. I think you could, uh, I had on my list um, jet ski javelin, but you could also do jet, jet, ski, jet ski jousting. You could do that too. <laughs> jet ski jousting would be so intense. Be, With the waves so and depending on the yeah. weather, it really, all these different variables. I like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. Uh, underwater judo is, you know, if you don't want horse judo, you can do underwater <laughs> judo. <laughs> yeah. Which is still Why cool. Why not? Uh, one I thought of was uh, balloon darts. Which sounds kind of lame, but just imagine if you can, like, some kind of urban environment with uh, these balloons that are um, positioned in strategic locations, and you have you have to quickly hit 50 with darts as fast as you can, and just oh, pop, 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 I pictured you're on this, like, you have a vest with all your darts on, and you're jogging this course, and the balloons are in different, they, they like, pop <laughs> out, and you have to, like, as you're jogging, so, so there's, like, it's score based on finishing the the... You know the time and accuracy or something and so they're pop these whether it's balloons or i don't know but just having to like throw your darts as you're running down the course i don't know it's like got my creative juices going uh-huh. it would be so cool i think it would be awesome to watch someone really quickly and accurately go and throw all these darts to <laughs> pop the balloons yeah that'd be so cool scuba race that's an obvious one like i mean we already have swimming in a pool but why not swim like in coral reefs underwater fast I think what's funny about this and what you unearth is the people are going to laugh at the absurdity of your suggestions because they'll go, that's not our real sport or Shut why, up. what athleticism does that show? But the reason any, all of it, any all of, the athleticism, any sport, though, no, a lot of them, like even dart throwing, whatever, like there's precision and but like any sport like basketball is, you know, put put a basket in a hoop is not. It's just that people all agreed to get better at and focus their attention on it. And when they do that, then we 
we see it as a display, we understand to some degree how athletic that display was because we're familiar with it. It's the complaint I was giving earlier. When you when you mm-hmm. watch a sport that you're unfamiliar mm-hmm. with, you don't know how impressive what you're seeing is. Like you seeing a high school team versus an Olympian team, you you might not, you know, it just looks like the sport to you. You don't see the professionalism in it. So right. the fact that collectively, if we all just got into underwater judo, like we would, there would be, a, there is athleticism and we would respect it. So their complaint is because it's not popular, it's not popular. It's this sort of circular yeah. reasoning. If they would just open their mind that like, if, if this was popular, all the things you're suggesting, or at least most of them, <laughs> all of them. Uh, uh, <laughs> actually have, would have credibility and uh, displays of athleticism. So Well, so, uh, I mean, look at mixed martial arts, you know, which has exploded in popularity, and there's a bunch of different techniques that they use, and it's fighting and all that, but it's still yeah. an expansion, a broadening of athleticism, and my fixed Olympics is just that to a much greater degree on the world stage like you have to your team of 10 has to be elite and you know they can train like i think the host country has to announce their events you know in advance so that the people can train it's not just say two years in advance even. yeah 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 yeah. it's not just sprung on them um and so do you have caps like there's going to be one athlete that might tend to be the best do they can they not they can they do they can't do it all right like there's got to be some sort of yeah, I, I would say, you know, depending on the event, you know, they may be team events or they may be individual events. And, you know, you can choose which team member you want to compete. Like something like um, Scuba Race or uh, maybe um, the 100 meter Syrup Dash. That's for the Canadian uh, <laughs> games. You dash through Syrup. Like it's like ankle or shin deep Syrup. Like that would be a, what uh, is it like? What would you do? The old you know Nickelodeon yeah, game that was show awesome. like event, event Olympic style. It was better. That was better than the Olympics. <laughs> um, something like that, or like um, stealth slingshot capture the flag. That would be a team event, right? So, uh, like, why not be hide and go seek? You know, like, you, could. you could. I don't know if that'd be as uh, entertaining or enthralling. You know, you could probably spice it up. But, you know, so that might be a team event, but then you would have your your individual events. That would be, you know, like your um, jet ski javelin or the 1,000-meter cartwheel. Um. <laughs> you just keep peppering in so many of these events. <laughs> um, and, you know, then you would have the ones where the whole team competes, but but one at a time. That would be like your whitewater. 1,000-meters cartwheel. <laughs> white, whitewater archery. Um <laughs> Or the lumberjack race, um, which would be, you know, how fast can you chop down a tree or multiple trees? That See, I cool. like that. That has some legitimacy, man. <laughs> like, Dude, it's got I'm muscle, accuracy, uh, endurance, like a lot of yeah. strength. I'm telling you, know. like, there is so much potential that we are not reaching with Watching some... Some big dudes, or you know, like like chop down a tree like quickly. Like I'm, everyone's gonna get quiet and watch for that. You know, they're yeah. Like, hold on, hold on a sec. Let me watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the guy's like, going fast and hard, and he's swinging and like, <laughs> just going at it. Yeah. And then when the tree falls, he's like, Aah! and you know, the other guy's tree hasn't fallen yet, and he throws, just throws down the axe. Aah! Oh man, and that's the, so and cool. The victory is a tree falling. Like that's it's cool. great. It's epic. Yeah. 
Um, uh, and then, you know, they don't all have, like, you know, there's the different skills. So you could have, you know, like in the current Olympics, we have gymnastics and stuff, but we could have like, uh, the best one I could think of was parkour dancing. So <laughs> dancing with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's grace and balance. So you're like jumping around between buildings and poles and whatever parkour people do, but you're also, you have to do it gracefully and like to music or something. It would definitely have like a hip hop urban vibe. Uh, sure, yeah. Like, uh, you know. Yeah, the dancing would be very fun that way. Uh, have you seen there is some sort of sport that is like, it's a parkour tag game? Yeah, and like, I have like, seen that. It's well, awesome. It actually is awesome, and it's enthralling to watch. Watch them like, go around the courses and stuff. And so, yeah, it's great, yeah. and that would be perfect for the Olympics. Uh, you know, obstacle course tag or something like that. That would be perfect yeah. for it. Um, and, you know, it, it would be way better. And so, like... Uh, you know, the, depending on the host country, there's special terrain and everything too. So, like in Japan, you know, there would almost certainly be an event where they have to like run up the steps in like uh, Fushimi Inari. You remember the, with the big yes. orange gates, yeah, or like climb, climb Mount Fuji or something. <laughs> like, or can you imagine doing the parkour dancing like around Tokyo or like those little Japanese alleys? That'd be so cool, uh, and people yeah. would watch. People would tune in and watch because it's unique, and it's, you're not going to see that again in your lifetime uh and you people it, it, you you really would choose iconic parts of your country to display and then later people would walk the areas and go yeah. this is where it happened you know this is right, where the right. sport took place and it would just add to the uh the fame and the 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 mythos of the place. I don't know. I really this idea of folding in what where the place is at. They are you know where the Olympics are located and utilizing the the land and the landmarks to to up the sport is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they don't do that already. I mean, I guess you know they kind of do a little because they do the Winter well, Olympics. The point of the point of sports is to make it all the same. That a ba- like a basketball court is this these measurements and this sort of wood. And this whatever like, yeah this is- see i think that's a misstep like i think sp- the sports have done it wrong there uh and that's been a frequent complaint of mine because while i understand that having it consistent makes it, it gives you a measuring stick by which to gauge the athlete's performance i understand that but i think that sports are for their entertainment so it's for the people watching the sports so it's all in the name of the record book. They're doing this all so they can say your the record was broken under the same conditions. But like, right. are and record books worth absolutely yeah, like having less entertaining sports? Like, I don't yeah, know. No, they're certainly not. They're absolutely definitely not. <laughs> and like, you know, if you if you want to, you know, after the uh, you know after the whitewater archery or the thousand meter cartwheel or whatever, if you want to regularize it. And have it so that people can see who's really the best in the long term. Go for it. But when it's introduced in the Olympics, like it needs to be fresh and new, and it needs to catch people's attention. And it needs to be an event, a spectacle. Along those lines, I have one more idea, and I don't know, I don't know how well it fits, but I thought it was an interesting idea. So maybe in some years, with special arrangement, there can be exhibition matches where the leaders of the countries have to compete. Uh, or, presidents or, maybe, or whatever their yeah, term yeah. for or maybe leaders. maybe celebrities from the countries i don't know but it's just some some well-known notorious person uh and that would make national pride a little bit more on the line there would just be exhibition matches so you know you wouldn't expect 
you know, Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the event would be, even be there. Like, I really that, like this. Exhibition maybe it would be the endurance to stay awake. <laughs> but whatever the, whatever the case, like you would have your leaders, and you could even have it where you know countries that are on bad terms with each other or have like tensions, they would say, you know what, we'll just settle it in the Olympics, you know. And you would have you know like <laughs> Vladimir Putin and whoever else, you know, having their having their uh their face off and at the end you know they shake hands and they're like ah you're not so bad uh (laughs) and we would all get along more having leaders and like their number one celebrity whoever's brought in the most fame by some measurable standard yeah i love this idea because then i would also learn things i'd actually want to know who is you know who is this person and all that yeah oh my gosh i really and and it would you would learn something culturally probably because ours would most certainly be a an actor or a singer right that's right, just pretty right. guaranteed whereas wouldn't it be interesting to learn I mean would it be true would it would it be an actor or a singer in every country or would there be one that you know is just a really famous I don't cook I, you know cook. Or yeah something. yeah or uh, maybe a religious leader I don't know um, I don't know how you or, would measure or an it English exactly. teacher or an English teacher yeah. <laughs> A guy can dream. A guy can dream. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, those. That's all of my ideas. I consider that fixed, and I came up with an, a new name. Uh, it's, it'll be called the Special Olympics. <laughs> yeah, that's because because I figure this is different. special. It's special. Yeah, it's different. Special. Yeah, there's no issue uh-huh. with that whatsoever. Perfect. You've nailed it. It's <laughs> put it in the books. We that's happening. If we can't, if uh, if we can't do Special Olympics, we could. Uh, I thought of a backup name called the Omega Olympics. That's probably better. Oh, o- Omega Olympics. The Omega Olympics. <laughs> like Omega, you know, the last yeah, letter yeah, in the Greek yeah. alphabet. So it's still Greek, but it's also like the Mega, Mega. Olympics, and Mega it's still Olympics. Olympics. Omega Olympics. The Omega Olympics. I. Uh... I think the names could use some work. I'll be honest, but other than that, I'm oh, so well, yeah, well. We can have a competition. We can have a competition for it one year. A naming, rename it every four years. <laughs> so there we go. I I personally think it's way better than our current Olympics, and uh, maybe we maybe we can make some suggestions to the next Olympic committee for 2024, and we can start working this in. Uh, in all the in all seriousness, I I think ideas like, I mean, you know. In part, this stuff is silly, but when you think silly, it also paves pathways to some more legitimate criticisms of the current status of things, right? Like, why do we just do it this way and we stick this way? And, and like, why are, why are sports so fixed right now? I mean, obviously, if there are enough fans, it's kind of like, sorry, Bennett, like, enough people watch, you know, football. Like, they're not trying to win the Bennett's of the world over. But, yeah, yeah, but at the I same time... Uh, Olympics, like you can't quite make that case. I actually like to see the numbers. Like people tune in for the closing ceremonies and opening and and uh, sports here and there, world record. But it seems like every year, this is fascinating to me. Every year, so many world records are set, and is it's it's not because we've evolutionarily progressed and like people are evolving that quickly. It's more just I'm assuming that like you, if it is a consistent sport and the training really does improve and the technology does improve and we understand diets a little better i, I mean i'm imagining like these these in order to break records you know it's by you know milliseconds often and so it's happening mm-hmm. 
breaking records is happening at, uh, wildly. Like anytime I turned it on, I turned it on four or five times, didn't pay much attention. I'm not claiming, but it would just be like, yep, a new world record set. And I'm like, it, really? Every Almost every time I watched it, a world record was set. And uh, it, it can't be because athletes are so much more athletic. It has to be because training has gotten better. And like their, so their, their performance, their output really is better. But it's well, because... think about too, all, just, I mean, all of those dozens of events and, you know, you have these people doing nothing but training for those events. Yeah. Like yeah. it just makes sense that you would have a progression of, um, you know, of skill. Yeah. Which is kind of what you were saying, I guess. Well, there was something too, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but they believed no one could, uh, like it couldn't physically, the four minute mile could not physically, maybe it was five minutes. I think it's four minute. The yeah, four minute four mile, minutes. no one could do it. Then this guy did it a long time ago, proved yeah. that it's possible. And, and now then a lot the, of people have done it. And now it. a lot of people have done it. And it's like he broke some barrier, the psychological barrier. Um, yeah. and, and now tracks are better paved with this rubbery stuff and our shoes are better and our training is more specific and 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 so we've really tightened things up and so you just you know and, and then you get people uh sort of groomed to be this from an early age as well so all of those factors well, make people break records a lot more often and so like my argument about the entertainment you know is that how amazing is like if you watch the guy you know run the thousand meter dash or whatever it is and he break or a mile you know the four minute mile or whatever and the first time the guy breaks four minute mile and the announcers are screaming and all maybe you go oh wow something just happened and you feel a little bit of excitement on their behalf that's, that's cool the, you break a world record cool yeah that's what people like about sports when something like that happens but then imagine you know the next olympics someone has been training and they get 359 like how much excitement are you going to feel that time? Like my bet is not that much, right? Like just I, especially watching all you know is they're like or if you watch swimmers and even if you know they're breaking the record, it looks the same yeah. to our eyes, let's be right. honest. You're just exactly. being told they broke a record. So your excitement is they broke a record and like that's cool, but like let's be honest, it doesn't yeah, physically it's not look that different. Yeah. Right, that's exactly my point. And that's this, my same critique of football and basketball, all of those things when oh he scored however many three-pointers it's like okay like i've seen a three-pointer and he scored some of them like yeah. why should why is that impressive it's not really other than intellectually like oh he had to do it multiple times i understand that must be difficult so what that's why like i think the omega olympics um you know you don't see underwater Sorry, just omega olympics you don't see underwater judo every day and so the first time you see underwater judo match you're going to be floored, right? And not only are you going to be floored with underwater judo, you're then, you know, you're then going to see your, um, you know, your cliffside lacrosse in the next match or something like that, or the uh, the cliffside wrestling. That would be cool too, uh, where you, you have to climb a mountainside, but you also have to like pull the other person off, and so they fall down to the bottom, and it's whoever makes it to the top wins. I, I am sympathetic, and I, I guess I use the word sympathetic carefully now, um, to you, your frustration with, like, like sports should be eye candy to some degree. They should be, uh, like, fun and unique and creative and strange. If you want eye candy that's cre- creative and fun and strange, you're kind of limited toward some, some art forms. Like, if you want physical, if you want to see people performing, then you're limited to sort of just theater um yeah, and theater is amazing and awesome and Cirque du Soleil and that's what, I mean I theater, love is, Cirque du Soleil oh, they're, they're amazing but like but like 
And then if you want to go toward athleticism, though, not that like obviously theater and all, and they're super athletic and in Cirque du Soleil and, and in sure. musicals and all of that awesome stuff. Choreography is amazing, but like, but it's not. Um, it's different than seeing a sport. So if you want to go over to some like competition, then you are just limited to these. These uh, they're not spectacles. They're not particularly creative. In fact, they are more refined and specific and trying to level all the. Uh, yeah, they're uh, smoothing off. Yeah, they're smoothing out all of those interesting, unique things, and that's why. You know, that's why I cynically call them ball stick net games or whatever, you know. Yeah, because it's just put a, put a, put ball, a ball in a net, net with a stick or yeah. some ver- some variant. Yeah, something on like that. that, right? And and although, I mean, I've played basketball and I respect all of it and I don't want it to go anywhere, I think there's just such room for... Also, I, would, I, I could argue that athleticism requires adaptability and, uh, and it's really nice to, if you're handed a different weighted ball or there were multiple or they were just too you don't want to overwhelm the athlete they want to have clear goals like if you were to more seriously refine some of the sports but yeah throw in bizarre stuff make it a spectacle like don't make it a cheesy game show where like lasers are blinding them or yeah, like, yeah. you know but like like you can have rotating stuff like why aren't why you can't name a sport with anything that's like got platforms are rotating really and yet uh and yet that stuff could be utilized in really cool ways so. Yeah, man, you're speaking my language here. <laughs> you're speaking my language. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's my goal. Fix sports. Well, I will. Uh, I will uh, round things off by a question I have. Speaking of, uh, well, it's not speaking. Of, there's no transition. That's going to be nice. There's no. I'm just going to like. <laughs> okay, go with just throw that. it out there. Um, I'm having it. Well, I'll just ask the question. It's about nostalgia. Can you experience nostalgia without um, or towards something without having previously experienced it? Um, does that question make sense? So, basically, you know, there was something that happened in the time when you were a child, maybe, but you never, you never went through that thing or never experienced that. But now you're exposed to it, and somehow you feel nostalgic for it? Yeah, or you feel a sense of... I mean, I could even say... Um, I recall watching Stranger Things and, you know, okay. it gave an 80s vibe and which and 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 it really resonated with, like, our generation, but also, like, younger people like it and they yeah, might yeah. even be getting a sense of nostalgia even though they wouldn't be able to... Under, it wouldn't be nostalgia technically, I guess. Um, but mm. But, like... A yearning for yesteryear or <laughs> whatever. Right, right. You know. So, I mean, is it nostalgia when you watch like a, uh, a pioneer movie or something, you know, about like people exploring westward in the, you know, 1800s or whatever? Like, is that nostalgia uh, or, or what would you call that? Is that kind of what you're talking about? I, or? I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll, I'll be a little more specific with my experience is that I have turned back on my Super NES Mini, which was modded to have all the Super Nintendo Entertainment yeah. System games, the entire mm-hmm. library's worth of games. And so I was watching some YouTube videos of various people playing 16-bit gaming era stuff and like you know the fondness i had toward the games and i had quite a number of them and of course like you know your big ones like super mario and mario kart and stuff and uh and you're like oh i would love to play that again i'd love to play you know i played a game called super soccer with david growing up and we stayed up like even as a little little kids we we thought it had magical powers because it would uh, reinvigorate us we wanted to stay up all night one night and so we would get really tired we'd play a game and so we're like, super soccer has this magical stay up all night powers and so of course <laughs> playing this game which does not stand well to time i mean you know 
we could argue yeah, yeah. differently. We had fun playing recently, um, but it's not a great game by any measurable standard. But <laughs> that would insult <laughs> David if he were to hear that. He'd go, "Oh, it's great," but 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 um, like that that's classic nostalgia, right? Is 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 yeah, the yeah. memories from it? And then I started. Um, I, I gained an appreciation for like sixteen bit gaming that I. I kind of have a newfound appreciation for it and like studying some of the classic games that were considered greats that I didn't play. For instance, Yoshi's Island, that's Super Mario World 2. And I started yeah. playing it the other night and uh, playing it, I feel a sense with the, the graphics, the very distinct graphics, the beauty and all of this. It, it takes you back to this, you know, mid 90s mm-hmm. feel. And so I guess I am still having legitimate nostalgia for the 90s, but I'm playing a game I never played and yet feeling the, the I'll call it the warm fuzzies of nostalgia. It, and I'm getting a lot of that playing my 16. So so there are these games are actually quality and some of them like Yoshi's World hold up very well over time, whereas the N64 era does not, right? Like they, they were the early... Uh, early adopters of 3d graphics and they just don't hold up that well and they're funky cameras and stuff and they're just even though you might have nostalgia or even fun playing them they're just clunky and they're they just they've had so many quality of life improvements over time that like they just feel so dated to play Um, yeah the the 16-bit you know the super nintendo and sega genesis like those games they were refined 2D games because they were yes. like thir- third or fourth generation of 2D games. Whereas in 3D then, worlds, like racing games, you have like stuff like the gray fog in the background where the uh, yeah, images pop yeah. in like really late and just look terrible, honestly. Um, but it was so cool at the time, you just could overlook just because you're playing 3D for the first time. It's but, amazing how fast 3D games got acceptable, you know? Like, uh, you know, the PlayStation 1 and the N64, I agree with you. They did. In a lot of cases, didn't age well. Even though some of my favorite games are N sixty four games, mm-hmm. like um, you know, there's no question that they were rough around the edges in some places. Even if they were very uh, novel for their times and, and you know groundbreaking things that they introduced. But like when you move up one generation to the GameCube and Xbox and PlayStation two, like those games were great, right? Like they looked right. good on the screen. They were they had relatively refined mechanics some games were still rough around the edges but like i think like for my money i think that the gamecube xbox playstation 2 generation that's that was like the maximum return on investment like you could make uh relatively low budget games that that still told a story and had fun gameplay uh, and didn't break the bank. Yeah. And after yep. that, we've been having diminishing returns. I mean, um, I would argue, yeah, well, you're right. I think there was a huge jump between PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. Uh, people yeah. were even... Do you remember? There was this like crave in video game for video gamers to say, oh, it looks like real life, or you yeah, can't yeah. tell the difference. And people were wanting to apply that to PlayStation 2, which is hilarious because they just <laughs> didn't, you know. Or like people at school talking about how you could see the... The, the jerseys, you can see the texture on the jerseys, the little holes, you know, the breathability of the jerseys. Yeah. That was so incredible if you paused it and zoomed in and stuff. Well, I, but I was... remember the uh, the original Xbox, you know, it, it launched, I think, with Project Gotham Racing. Oh, yeah, it looks great. And yeah. it looked really good. And, you know, that was just like, it, it was just like, well, it's one of the closer better? to photorealism or whatever you want to call it. Like it looked and it's, you know, a simulator and it, but, but it's still not, it even looks good today. Like, no joke. But, um, it's not, you know, you're not going to mistake it for reality or something like sure. that. Um, yeah. And then, and then I would still argue that there was a, 
a much less of a jump, but a big jump. PS3, you know, to, to that era of, of those consoles were, were uh, still. Yeah, a, it was. I mean, it was Xbox into 360 the, is like a, it was an improvement, it, like a well, marked yeah, it improvement. Was in, into the HD. It was into the HD yes. era. If, if someone told me, if they said, well, in my opinion, the PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty, Wii, even though the Wii wasn't in HD that generation is that's the maximum return on investment in games i would say okay there's an argument know, to be made for that's it. acceptable i can understand that but we're done um, there the, the the subsequent oh yeah the subsequent generations I mean, are trash like yeah. playstation 4 and xbox one garbage like yeah. there's like almost no improve no useful improvement in my personal opinion uh, the graphical games were pointless and it just meant that development times now take you know, four, five, six, seven years and millions and millions more dollars for and, what is often a less fun game. And at least Nintendo's trying to do different things. I mean, the, the Wii U was a disaster in some ways, but also was trying something. And the Switch has been really successful and is unique and has this portability. So, like, they seem to understand, look, the graphics are good... You, you can't Good just make enough. a system yeah. for graphics now. You have to offer some something different. And so good on Nintendo, I say. But yeah, so, I say the same. So back to the nostalgia thing, like, mm-hmm. I guess I'm answering my own question, but when I'm having, am I having nostalgia toward Yoshi's Island? Probably not, but I am having, the, there's something uh, calming about childhood, assuming it was a good childhood, and I did have a good childhood. So, okay. and it there's, there's something... The reason this, like the past, you know, the golden years or whatever, looking back in the past, it's finalized. So all the stresses that currently mm-hmm. plague the present, they're just done, right? So yeah, that, yeah, there's, yeah. there, I'm, you know, in fifth grade, I was probably worried about some test, or maybe uh, I was worried Josh was going to make fun of me the next day, or whatever <laughs> social pressures or academic or work pressures, if you will. And so yeah, sure. those are not but, on. So when I, I don't remember it, those with any immediacy, right? Yeah, yeah looking right. back on it, I just remember, ah, fifth grade, we played kickball and like war ball wrestling. and like wrestling, talked about wrestling. And, and so... So that's another area that I'll actually say you're gonna find this funny. So I've been watching old um, like commentary on older WCW wrestling videos, <laughs> and which but which has bled over. So WWE's bought it all. So so the people making these videos are just wrestling fans that are both current and past, and they're probably around our age. And so uh-huh. um, I've I'll find myself clicking on like clickbait type uh, ten wrestlers. So they'll say something like ten wrestlers who got injured in the ring, and it'll it might, it'll span from the '80s to now, and so and I'll so I'll like be watching. Uh, I notice I'll be watching stuff about W wrestling right now, WWE right now, and I'm like, why am I watching this? Even though, it, it, <laughs> but it gives me a sense of warm. Like it's very it's unusual to like that memory of liking wrestling, even seeing fans yeah. now or if there's a clip of a wrestler now even though i have no relationship with it nor nor desire to get involved with wrestling i just go i'm just like ah oh, yeah the relationship with wrestling like i i liked i genuinely liked wrestling yes it was mostly a social yeah. thing but i liking those wrestlers rooting for your guy like having finishing moves like just the sort of uh, adrenaline <laughs> of a match the pageantry of it all the absurdity the absolute absurdity of it all super like fun and innocent and like goofy and uh so i get i get uh small doses of those in the youtube videos so Mm -hmm. it was just funny when i remarked to danielle i was watching a video she's like do you know these wrestlers i was like no uh, no so why am i watching some like (laughs) back you know 
10 times backstage disputes were real or something, you know, and like eight, <laughs> eight of them are more in the current era and I don't know any of them, but one of them is with Bam Bam Bigelow and I'm like, oh yeah, oh, the guy I with the tattoo him. on his head. Yeah. And wore the fiery suit. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> you he's know. still around. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, no, crazy. he's not still around. He's, but like, but the uh, point is that it would, it would throw one of those in there from the, yeah, from yeah. The, so that's like, great. Yeah. And, the and, La- and, and Lash I, LaRue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I enjoyed and, uh, those. Uh, what, I enjoyed the current the, ones. Uh, what was the luchador guy who... Um, Ray, Ray Mysterio Ray, Jr. Ray Mysterio Jr. Yeah, yeah. Ray Mysterio yeah. Jr. And there were a bunch of them. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I was right there with you. I would say... Um, uh, I think you can't... Well, all right. So to answer your original question, can you experience nostalgia for something you didn't... Uh, you didn't actually experience at the time mm-hmm. i would say I, i'm gonna say no with an asterisk so i think you're when you're talking about yoshi's island i think that's the best uh example that you said because you're not experiencing nostalgia for yoshi's island but yoshi's island it 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 uh it's an example of nine a 90s creation it feels like other things in the 90s um, you know, it's on the Super Nintendo, which you did play and you did experience. You know, it has Mario in it, which you did experience. So you're experiencing nostalgia there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's nostalgia for the 90s. It's nostalgia for that era. It's nostalgia for your childhood, like you mentioned, you know, this golden, uh, the golden age or whatever. So that it is nostalgia, but it's not specific nostalgia. Um, and I would say, like, my question earlier, can you experience nostalgia for, like, the pioneer days or, like, the roaring 20s or, um, you know, which a lot of people, like, the jazz era and stuff. Yeah, you know, we yeah. ob- we obviously can't experience nostalgia for the roaring 20s because we weren't around. But there are definitely people our age who, you know, for whatever reason, they love that era, that historical period. You, Some you... people, girls love the Victorian in you'll find British this funny, but Danielle, knowing Danielle, you'll find this funny, but she loves the, the aesthetic of the 1950s and that sort oh, of yeah, yeah. just a simple suburban like aesthetic. Yeah, white, white walled tires on cars yeah, and those, yeah, uh, and the classic those, those refrigerators. And, uh, refrigerators were kind of rounded. Yes, and yes. Like, yeah, I agree. There were some interesting stylistic choices. Cars were And very women's hair was a peculiar, like a very yeah, correct, sure. proper way. And those... Uh, like poodle skirts or whatever. I'm not sure if that's oh, yeah, the yeah. and like Maybe. and even the greaser dynamic with the leather jacket and like Snapping and the fingers. The, yeah, the socias and the greasers, you know, so the socias right. are the preppy guys and like the then there's the yeah. yeah. So I mean I can see that. And so I wouldn't call that nostalgia. I would call I would actually call that a a, fa- a, a love of fantasy, but it's interesting because, you know, in the like actually the joy and appreciation that someone might have for the 50s or the 20s or whatever i think maybe psychologically is the same as someone has for you know sci-fi movies futuristic sci-fi movies or you know lord of the rings fantasy type stuff like it's the same appreciation you ne- you didn't experience it you haven't experienced lord of the rings you haven't experienced sci-fi but you love the world that's presented to you yeah and and the reason why it's so easy to get that attachment to historical periods is because it's real. Like we have all the details and they're all consistent because it really existed. And so, you know, you can have historical documentation of those time periods. And so you can really immerse yourself in it with very high levels of consistency uh, because it really happened. So where, 
Whereas, yeah. you know, in like Lord of the Rings or, you know, some sci-fi setting, there might be inconsistencies or anachronisms or silly things. And so it breaks your um, your suspension of disbelief a little bit. So then let me ask you this. There's a there's a growing uh, niche of teenagers, niche of teenagers uh, that will like dress in 90s apparel, sometimes 80s you know, whatever, but like depending on the friend group or whatever, but it'll be 90s. So imagine baggier stuff, maybe some torn jeans are listening to Nirvana. They're able yeah. to watch friends on Netflix, right? Like, or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and they're listening, you know, Matchbox 20 and, you know, uh, uh, Third Eye Blind and stuff too. Like, so, so, and they're like, like fully, and they're going for that, you know, acid wash jeans look and yeah, like yeah. t-shirts. And this is, you, I mean, I, in my observation, it's been girls typically, um, and so they fully embrace this 90s lifestyle. And they're also 16 or 17, so they weren't born in the 90s. This is a, right. this is a, so is this actually uh, the fantasy of uh, another world? Like you were just, everything you were just saying, it kind of applied to. Like yeah. they didn't experience it, but they found yeah, yeah, the yeah. world appealing and, and they... Uh, yes, I definitely think so. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. And, you know, it's, there's an additional layer with teen fashion that's, you know, if you can, like... You're competing for social capital in a way. And so whatever you can do to make yourself stand out, you know, you climb to the top of that hierarchy really quick. So if you're the first one to say, I'm going to do the 90s style, well, now there's something unique and special about you that gets the attention of your peers. And so, you know, obviously someone broke that barrier first and it worked for them. Um, yeah. You know, the same thing happened with 80s stuff too. Like, I mean, that's that happened, you know, neon style clothes. Like yep. I remember there was a period of time and we may still be in it when you couldn't find the tennis shoe that wasn't neon pink, blue or yellow, you know? Right. Um, which it, I found annoying. It's just funny. That's a better example. It's not nostalgia. It's just, uh, it's fantasy, I suppose. If, if it's, but what I'm doing with Yoshi's Island is nostalgia. Yeah, it's nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. It's nostalgia, but it's, yeah, it's not specific to Yoshi's Island, but it's more general. Yoshi's Island is a representation of 90s, which you're nostalgic for. And there's just a quality game to be played as well. Sure, no, yeah, definitely. So that's yeah, that part too. of, like, that's why I can get invited into and stay in the 16-bit world, because if I were just playing Super Soccer level games, it's going to be a fun weekend with David, but I'm not going to play on my own. Like, I'm not going to beat a game, put hours into a game and beat it. It's just not worth it. But if the game's quality and, like, I'm just, you know, into it then. And I'm also impressed that they didn't just make a clone of Super Mario World, which was a huge success. They actually, mm-hmm. and, and, and I even watched a video, why, why wasn't this successful? It's a freaking awesome game. And uh, it, a lot of kids resisted the cutesy art style. It also came out really late, like months before the N64 came out. So it was Yoshi's just, Island. Yeah, the, sorry. Yes, Yoshi's yeah. Island. Yeah, I um, never, I never actually played Yoshi's Island. It's I know super it's creative. Be... It's great. It's a, it's a near masterpiece of a game. Really, like it's, it's the quality of it's great, man. And I'm just impressed with the level design and the uniqueness and all the mechanics and the different. They just really went for something different while still capturing the spirit of like Mario in general. So uh, I'm just, you know, here to plug Yoshi's Island for anyone <laughs> looking to that's, play a game. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm. I'm about to be in a gap where I don't have a game uh, that I'm playing. Maybe I'll. You might have a vague memory. You know how like 
and I know I'm, I'm very familiar with it. Like, so when it so yeah, when Baby Mario falls Baby off Mario, in the bubble, in bubble, he goes wee wee wee, and it's super obnoxious. So that is a criticism, but it's also a different way to think about life uh, instead of like just a get hit. And, <laughs> no, life life bar, like health bar. Oh, right? oh okay, all right. Yeah. I thought you were making a very profound uh, point. <laughs> so it's just a different way to health. think about life. I should have just said health. I meant health health bar because you have to Got you it. have seconds to get him back based on you know various circumstances so he's floating yeah. around the screen and he's screaming which really does make you want to capture him um yeah anyway good game it is nostalgia nostalgia i you know i might have been mispronounced i think it is pronounced both ways by the way nostalgia nostalgia i've heard it both ways um, yeah i think it depends did you ever uh did you ever beat super metroid uh, I'm sad to say I did not, and that's actually I did not turn the system back on for uh, like just coming back from your place when I was really enjoying it, I, and I played yeah. a, a little bit, uh, and then I got busy. This was like last summer, wasn't it? And then, uh, right, and then right. I turned it off for a year, and I was I didn't want to never come back to the Super NES, and so I did, and I thought about turning it, going straight back to Super Metroid, and I thought I'm gonna let a little time pass and start over because. Uh, what I enjoyed about that game, I was enjoying it so much, first of all, so much. Uh, I was impressed with what super, a, a Nintendo game could do, where you felt a little creeped out, you felt a little alone, you felt a little anxiety playing the game. Like, it really, I couldn't believe it could could make that happen in that game. Yeah. And, and I also, what I liked about how the game progressed was you kept leveling up with your powers and therefore you'd familiarize yourself with whatever new mechanic you've gained. And to enter in after a year of not playing at a fairly yeah, high, it would just be hard. And and it's you. It's one of these where you revisit old areas and and frequently. Yeah. And I need if to go. Forgot. Yeah. So I'm just going to start over when I play again. And, uh, and um, there's yeah. a uh, there's a new Metroid game coming out in October. Uh, that's you know in the same. It's a 2D. Um, Are people really Metroid. excited? I imagine they're very excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's called Metroid Dread, um, and it was a it was a lost game. You probably like the history of it since you're into that kind of thing. But like, they were they pitched it back in the I think in the early 2000s, and it just never never came out. And it was always a mystery what happened to Metroid Dread. And people would ask, you know, the developers in interviews, and they would kind of hem and haw, and uh, you know, it just wasn't the right time. And now, finally, they're, they've made Metroid Dread. And it so, looks good. The trailer looks good. And I'm excited to play a Metroid game again after... It's been like seven or eight years, I think. So was it a completed game that they just are now deciding to release? Or was no, it no, no. Uh, it's an a, idea that they never an worked idea. on? Okay. Yeah, it was an idea um, that... I don't know. They probably made a prototype or something. And it just wasn't good enough or the technology wasn't there didn't get off the ground but now they made it so it's coming out on the switch and it looks good like it's side scroller but it's you know it's 3d but it's a 2d game so you when you I mean? release a yeah side scrolling 2d game do they do they have a hard time charging full price or if it's truly in a de- in-depth game and all it's fine like no issue there like people play it and love it like i'm just wondering if they yeah, get a bad that's rap a good, for... it's a good question i'm sure they a lot of people will complain because they're a great 2d games of the same style now that are indie games um that you buy for you know like hollow knight is a great game and it's like seven or eight you can find it for seven or eight dollars and yeah. it's a huge game it's an excellent game and i'm sure metro dread will be a full price you know sixty dollar game um and it'll so, be great as well but still it'll it's be a great question of like yeah do you <clears throat> yeah. pay that price for that 
and why? Why do I need it to be 3D all of a sudden to be worth paying a full price if I'm playing, paying? It's like, what are you measuring? Is it hours of experience, like, like quality? It's quality overall. Did I have a good time with this game? But also, if you only played three hours and they were the greatest three hours, you'd be probably pissed, right? Um, yeah, pricing is interesting with games. Because, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but for PlayStation 5 games, the price now is $70. They upped the price it was just to a jump. They said it's time to jump. Yeah, they just agreed and they were like, okay, now our games are going to be $70 instead Yikes. of 60 Yikes. Yeah, I did not so, know that. I mean, that gets into like seventy dollars for a game. We're like, we're edging in on like getting into a hundred bucks a game. Like it's like, dude, oh, I mean yeah. seriously, seventy. I know it's seventy's not a hundred, but like, but but it's interesting too because like like you say, my my calculation for the value of a game, you know, it's primarily how much fun I'm gonna have. But one way, <clears throat> one thing that influences my enjoyment or my sense of value after I finish a game is okay how playtime per dollar you know essentially you know like did i get 60 hours out of the game did i pay one dollar for every hour of game i played if so okay that's reasonable like that's you know that i got my money's worth if i played it for 60 hours then i definitely got my oh money's yeah worth. i mean a um, movie you pay 20 bucks for to buy or to just go see it in the movies now and it's right and that's yeah, two yeah. hours that's you know, two $10 hours dollars so an a, hour yeah, it's a terrible. It's a very inefficient way to spend time. And you know, still, books are a very efficient form of entertainment because you can pay, you know, seven bucks for a paperback book, and you know, it can give you hours and hours of entertainment for that. Yeah. And video games come close sometimes. Like, uh, you know, if you get a good game discounted or used, um, or a new indie game or something, like you can get thirty or forty hours out of a game. And only pay, you know, less than 10 bucks for it. And that's great. That's really efficient. But that's why, like, you know, I'll play a game, like, uh, a recent game I played uh, that I was disappointed in was um, Mario Golf, which I like Mario. It's weird. You know, I just fix sports, but I play a sports game. But it's a Mario <laughs> Golf game, so it doesn't yeah. really count. But I, I, I really liked Mario Golf as a kid on the N64 and on the GameCube, and so I got this one. And I played it, and I beat it in... You know, it was like eight hours or something. Yeah, and two I had days done, or a day even. Yeah. Yeah, like, I had done everything, and it's like well, when I when you came when, you, when I saw it, it. Yeah, you were like, all right, and you showed it to me, and then I was like, I think I saw ninety percent of what within an hour yeah. or so. I saw ninety percent of what there was to offer. Yeah, you did. You saw pretty much everything, and it's like that's not enough. So, in my estimation, that is a poor value game. Now, I will say they they are releasing new courses and characters as time goes by. So they've already released one additional what you, full course, but that's still do it's, not, something it's like, not a good it look it was smooth. The animation was good. It was smooth. It was fun to play. It did what it was supposed to do. Like is it just that golf is got limitations no, or did they not get creative no, enough? Yeah. They didn't get creative enough. The old Mario Golf games had you ring challenge. Well, this you know, had new you mechanics. Hit. You run to it and stuff like that. Like you're like yeah, hitting they, each yeah, other. Yeah, that's true. That's fair enough, but it's not enough. It's not good enough. Like the courses were straight up boring, man. Like for a video game, for an inventive place, they're you know yeah, Nintendo's I, smart. They're good. They're creative. So just to do mm-hmm. a Bowser's Castle, which is fine. You want Bowser's Castle? You got to have one. But like it wasn't good enough. It just though. wasn't that great. It wasn't impressive. Like, I wasn't going. Wow. I wasn't uh, tickled with all their cool fun little course yeah. things it they was like needed, oh the courses were not even really like worth mentioning it's like that's the problem i guess there was just nothing yeah, the, about the courses you need special obstacles and wacky holes and 
like crazy shots and stuff. Like you need all that. And they had little obstacles and the Bowser's Castle level was the best of the bunch because it had, you know, castle walls and some lava and stuff. But but like that was it. The the other courses were very underwhelming. So like I just think that it was a you know, they probably put a B team on the game and they just, you know, they didn't take many risks and it didn't have a lot of creativity. Like they should have, you know, there was a um the Mario the Mario Golf on I think it was on the GameCube had putt-putt and it had putt-putt courses and that was fun. And, you know, they had different challenges. And you're right, the speed golf where you run, that's new. But if they're going to do that, if they're going to do that, they should give you the golf cart and let you drive around and, you know, and take your time. Like, and if they were going to let you run around, they should have let you run around and put interesting things around the course and, you know, let you kind of like an RPG style or something go talk to the whatever Mario character on the sidelines or whatever. And they did a little story mode and that was nice and quaint but it was also short like they just could have they it didn't have enough soul anyway all that to say like i didn't spend long playing the game and i spent a lot of money on it so i come out the other end and i go yeah it was a little fun when i was playing it but it ended too soon and so it wasn't good value yeah and they didn't like you said they just it wasn't a fully fleshed out game in that capacity like there just wasn't but by that metric it's just not a Another thing that I'll mention, just this is turning into a review of Mario Golf, <laughs> but like, in, if you remember back in the N64 one, um, and I think in the GameCube one too, you only started off with like Mario and Luigi, maybe, and like a couple other, a basic group, and then you had to unlock all the characters by playing tournaments That's or a good thing challenges. to do. Games should make you earn it, and then you're excited yeah. to play with them. Honestly. Right, and you know, it was kind of like the Super Smash Brothers approach, where, you know, Super Smash Brothers... You know, you're playing a battle or something, and then it goes challenger approaching, and you have to fight, you have to beat them in order to unlock the character. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. And that was how it was in Mario Golf. But in this newest one, you just had all the players unlocked from the beginning. So they're not Uh, special. I mean, they really just don't feel special that way. No, and there's no reason to play with all of the different characters. Like, it just didn't, there's no incentive to do that. And so I didn't. Well, I'm sorry. Oh well, I blame I blame you. <laughs> so I accept your apology. Well, there's, that's a good place to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Uh, uh, all right. Well, that was fun. All it's right, man. over. Uh, yeah, screw Mario Golf. You know. Woohoo!